Good morning and welcome to another podcast for Sight and Insight. This is Judith Curtis saying a bright good morning to you. Uh, in the red corner we have uh, Lawin Connie Nagel who's going to give us some insight and in the blue corner we have Big Dave Curtis who's going to uh, talk to us about sight in art. That's if we can keep him awake. We've just given him another cup of coffee and hopefully uh, he's going to stay with us. Uh, we've actually had a, a very busy few days, and so although this podcast is going to be about the question, what is art, uh, I think we're going to start off talking about some of the things that have been happening to us, because I think they're very interesting, and I'd like to share it with you. So last Friday, I was at an opening preview for an artist, Harold Rotenberg. The exhibition is called Harold Rotenberg, an American Impressionist. And I had to ask myself, is he really an American Impressionist? Is this how I, I view his work? He was a great guy. He had a very long career, passed away at uh, 105 years old. Uh, there are a couple of books out about him, one of which I was happy to write in collaboration with his daughter, Judy Rotenberg. And the exhibition is really great. I've never seen such a collection of work in, in one room. He's definitely an unusual artist compared with the traditional paintings that I'm used to but it's well worth a visit at the Cape Ann Museum. The show is on until the middle of June so I hope you take the opportunity to go and see it because I could definitely look at that and say what is art? It's non-traditional art to me although he was very capable of doing traditional paintings which he did at the beginning of his career uh, but then he got into doing more experimental things, more expressionistic things because he wanted to experiment, he wanted to share a different vision of what he was seeing. And it's, it's just a, a great uh, exhibition. And if you go in, uh, there is an explosion of colour that meets you. Uh, and so I hope uh, you'll take the opportunity to, uh, to go and see that. But enough of my waffling on here. Uh, I'm obviously haven't had enough coffee today to keep me going. So I'm going to pass the microphone over to my colleagues here uh, and... Again, the question is, what is art? But I know that uh, these two have been on a recent road trip, and I hope they're going to tell us a little bit about what they've been looking at down at the University of Delaware in connection with the Charles Winter painters. So, Connie, would you like to kick off? What have you been up to? Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what is art? Um, you know, um, it's a very broad topic, uh, and it um, it really is about um, about culture and um, you know what motivates um, us to to paint and to draw. Um, what we recently did is that um, uh, David and I went down to the Delaware Art Museum and we looked at the archives, uh, specifically around Charles Allen Winner and uh, the Murata system, and uh, it helped us get a better understanding of um, how he was viewing art, and, and I would say specifically how art and science are related to one another. And that's something that I think as artists we don't think about so much. Well, I, I think, yeah, the, the trip was very... Uh, uh, I thought I thought it was almost like uncovering gold. Uh, these papers, these boxes, had been there since uh, 1970, approximately, 
and we were only the fourth people to look at these this box since the seventies, since 1970. <laughs> so uh, we we realized it was it was gold because of as Connie said, he explored painting in a very scientific way. He was a real thinker type, I would imagine, wouldn't you say? Thinking, yeah. feeling type. I would. Um, and he was a contemporary. If you don't know Charles Elmwood, he was a contemporary of uh, John Sloan, some of the Ashcan group out of New York. But Winter himself was uh, probably the senior member of that group of Ashcan painters out of New York. Uh, Stuart Davis, um, John Sloan, um, Glackens, all those people he was a friend of. And met Hardesty Marauder, and they discussed the Marauder color system. And Winter took it, I think, the farthest of any of those people. Um, and like any artist, I think they modify things to fit themselves. But Winter was trying to compose, find the right color, and compose almost, it appears, simultaneously. So, and then out of the color splash, and out of the arrangement of the design, he would find the story, so-called. I don't know if story is the right word, or images that um, um, formed a painting in his mind. So I think he was, because most of his friends were abstractionists, I think he was saying, yes, the abstract is there, and out of the abstract comes his vision, personally. Right. Um, and I think what is art, I think that's a great segue into this, because I think... Here's an, here's an artist who was uh, not just a great craftsperson because of the science, but he also, um, and a very creative person, um, makes him, I think, there's a difference between what is an artist and what is a painter. So you think there's a difference between the two? I think so, yes. And... Um I do too. I mean, I agree with that, that, that there is a difference between an artist and a painter. And I, I would say it has a lot to do with artists are more, like I was saying before, that art and science have, a, have a, an association with one another and that, um, that what we see in an artist is, is um, something like an inventor. Uh, they are discovering, inventing ways to to describe what they feel inside of themselves. I think a painter, on the other hand, is is a craftsman, is is someone who is taking some of the the information and um, like from like we might talk about Leonardo da Vinci and and. Okay. <laughs> Okay, Connie, I'm another couple. <laughs> no, I think Connie, you're absolutely right because but, Leonardo creates all he's an inventor. <laughs> and he's an artist who's creating not just great paintings, but uh, theories about art and how to better achieve the craft. So he's really like he's giving us um, perspective, aerial, linear, and visual perspective. He's giving us a sense of that the, this Carol Scoro. Whether the, he's the inventor or not, but he's the one who finds it. I think there's a big difference. Right, and then what, what is, happens is that the painter is is the one that executes it. That we have somebody who who um, works works at that perspective taking and and develops uh, paintings and 
Um, and like David was talking about how uh, paintings may ultimately tell a story, I think that some of the most uh, famous paintings tell that first story, what we describe in psychology as the first story, the origins of of humanity, of life, and that we all hearken back to those. I mean, in in literature, Shakespeare, um, the, these guys developed things. Othello was it was all about the first story, you know, things that we all get into um, over and over again as we as humans and as we move through the life cycle. So, from I a psychological think, point of view, archetypes. Yes, yes, and they're archetypes, they're, um, they're ways of seeing uh, and discovering uh, the truth about humanity. And, um, and art, re- art does reflect culture, and I think it creates and motivates people, the human um, conversation. Oh, or, yeah. Communication. Yeah, yeah, or communication. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, basically, these days, you know, we all need art in our lives. I mean, it's all very well saying, what is art? But why do we need it as well? Um, right. Going back to Leonardo, I did find a quote. I love to find quotes about this stuff. Um, painting is poetry that is seen rather than felt, and poetry is painting that is felt rather than seen. But it's like a painting seems to be so timeless, um, so you can put it on the wall and you can just sort of enjoy looking at it and looking into it, uh, walking into a beautiful landscape, or looking at the design or the colour or the texture that the artist got in it, wondering why they made certain choices. It's it's something that we all need today, I think, Mm -hmm. is to have a beautiful... Everybody should aim at getting one beautiful painting into their home, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. There's there's also uh, the idea that art is an attempt at immortality. And I know that I'm the one that seems to bring in these lofty ideas, but life is short, right? <laughs> art is long. <laughs> and art is a revolt against extinction. Against, if we can put out, I mean, poetry is the same way. The poet puts out his longings, his, his feelings, and he puts them down on paper, and they last forever much longer than he does as, as a human being. And the same is true for the artist. Uh, we we are attempting to uh, place on on paper on canvas whatever medium we have um, to to put out our ideas and those ideas in turn become immortal and there's something really uh, quite pleasing about that and and maybe that's pleasing to all of us you know uh, to to feel that something can last beyond how long we last as, as a human being. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you're right. And I think if you, let's take, uh, we talked about Leonardo and uh, being the artist and people are practicing his theories about what art is in very successful and beautiful paintings. I mean, Rembrandt certainly echoes this idea of chiaroscuro that we give credit for Leonardo to find and right. Leonardo carries it, uh, I mean, uh, Rembrandt carries it uh, to a beautiful end. Perspective, the Dutch, again, the Dutch, wonderful uh, adoption of what perspective is and carrying all the way into futuristic ideas of curvy, linear perspective and things like that. 
I, I think yeah. it's interesting. But let's let's go back to art in its beginnings, more primitive art. And um, how what would be a good example of like we we put names to these artists and we say there's an artist and a painter. But what about people we don't know? The tombs of Egypt or exactly. The, um, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about when you were talking about that, David, is that. Um, Art can magically transform itself so uh, into a beautiful piece without an ego. Like you were re- mentioning, you know, Leonardo, Rembrandt, uh, maybe even the Dutch painters. But, uh, but the art itself magically moves beyond that person, you know. And um, the other thing I was thinking of when you were talking about the more primitive uh, aspects is, that, is cave art. You know, in the prehistoric days, we see that there are um, caves in France where we see the bison has been carved into the cave wall. And that bison carving becomes an icon or symbol for that cave dweller who is then, uh, it, it becomes magical in a sense that that what he's out killing and, and feeding off of and, and living from He's actually um, created a an icon of, and he can either worship it, he can actually um, imagine it, he can explore it, he can create rituals around it, and all of this occurs through the act of art. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm sorry. I was just watching the producer there as he's sleeping on the table. Um, so, when we actually, I. It struck me as funny, Dave. Every time you come on, you say, Connie, I agree with you. You're right. I'm waiting for you to turn around and say, hey, Connie, I don't agree with you. Well, Connie is the insight to this. I'm just the site. <laughs> and uh, the insight's very important in this. And, and, and I do think this is a discussion. I think all three of our first podcasts where we tried to stick with creative concepts and then come to this one, what is art? Um, I do think that Connie sort of summarizes the higher realm of this. And I think there's a lot of people afraid of discussing art in these terms today. Yeah, they, and I think it's of kind of a young. shame that they don't want to say uh, art is truth or art is beauty. And I think there's so many contemporary artists, maybe it's just humility, maybe it's humbleness mm. um, that the artist feels today. I, I think it's a greater thing. I, I think it's I think it's the times in which we live in. As Connie said, it's the culture. We're reflective of the culture, but artists can also see the changes in culture. I yeah. think they're sensitive enough to be out there to register uh, what's going on in our culture and maybe see the negative as well as the positive in in through art to um, to educate to elucidate things that are going on right in front of them. In, in a personal way, and that's what makes it, I think, very special. Yeah. I was also going to say something about um, what, what the artist experiences. I think that a lot of artists would say and agree with, with what I'm about to say is that you kind of go into a zone, that that's some of the excitement about being an artist, of being a painter. Um, and I would say this is true for both the painter and if, if somebody's exploring more deeply the craft or, or the whole notion of art, um, is that you 
you go into a timelessness in the process of, of putting your thoughts or your imagination down on paper. Even um, So that, too, is a kind of experience that the artist has that, um, that is somewhat... Um, it's, it's alluring and, and magical, and, and it kind of draws you into doing it again and again. Um, that is also uh, an aspect of what is art. Art is a, a, an activity in which we lose ourselves in and come, for, come out of and uh, feel that we've been renewed. Uh, to the extreme, Pygmalion. Yes, it's yes, the yes. idea that art becomes yes, this, uh, this you're looking at something and you believe it's so real that the artist believes it's so real it comes to life in front of them. Yeah. And yeah. he was very fortunate. It was a beautiful figure that came <laughs> to life in front of him. Uh, but but I, I do think that art has this, uh, uh, this big quality. Um, but just, just as a sideline, Connie, you told me a story once about Carl Jung the psychologist witnessing something or seeing something mm-hmm. in nature that he felt was I thought that was an interesting story Do you well mind? what yeah I remember uh, what it, what I was referring to was the there um, in the 70s I used to listen a lot to um, this guy Edward Edinger who was a psychoanalyst a, a, a guy from the Union Institute in, in uh, Switzerland who um, talked a lot about Jung's new myth of meaning and um, what he described is he said that one of the biggest pivotal points for Jung was that he was in the Serengeti, he was on a safari, um, this happened to be probably in the late, um, like the late 40s, maybe early 50s, and he um, stepped outside of the the uh, group that he was with, and he said that he was standing next to some bushes. He was looking at a herd of gazelle as they were running along, and he recognized that it was quiet, it was a movement, that if he was not witnessing these gazelle, that they were sort of a stream of consciousness before him, that as a witness of it, he, he brought them to life. He, otherwise, it would just go on endlessly, this, this you know, um, reproducing, you know, the herd, the, the extinction, all this kind of birth, life, death would just move on without any kind of note of, of importance. Yeah, I, I think... Young was really interesting. I didn't get mm. into him until I got married and David made me read all his books. <laughs> I think that is the artist, right? Young was the artist, um, witnessing yeah. something yeah. in yeah. nature yeah. and being able to communicate. But he understood it. Yeah. And I think a lot of artists, they necessarily aren't going to step back and, as I said, want to get involved in the discussion of beauty, creating truth, or the moment. Mm-hmm. Because... But I think this discussion is very important nowadays. I really do. And I don't think it's we're explaining anything uh, about a painting particularly or about a work of art. I think this is the part of us that I think we're art appreciators. I mean, I think I said in one of the broadcasts, if I never paint, if I never painted again, at least I could go into a museum and admire those who could. Yeah. 
right. and and be uplifted, even though I wasn't doing it. Sometimes by doing it yourself, it's such a chore, it's such a job, nine to five job, that it's it's not easy. Yeah. So you yeah. come home exhausted, and somebody tells you, "Well, that's not very good. What have you been doing?" Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had this thought whilst you were were talking there about um, you were talking about artists. Uh, representing things and I know there was an artist A.W. Bueller who lived out on Rocky Neck in in Gloucester and he was uh, there at the turn of the 20th century and he was talking about the fact that artists were like the historians of the time and that what they were trying to paint would be the the history that they were passing on to, to other people so as we look at their paintings today they were painting uh, life as it was then. Uh, mm. I don't know whether he was trying to be um, make them uplifting or whether he was just trying to record the times. He was famous for painting the uh, image of the fisherman at the wheel uh, in 1901 that was wow. bought by Gortons of Gloucester. I'm sure you all know the Gorton symbol. That's taken from his, his painting. And the fisherman at the wheel... The, uh, the statue down on Stacey Boulevard by Gloucester Harbour, that was done by Leonard... Can I have forgotten his Krask. name? Leonard, Leonard Krask, who was inspired by Bueller's painting of the Fisherman at the Wheel to create his, his sculpture in, in that manner. So there was Bueller. He, he used to live in, in Anasquam, but then he moved over to East Gloucester. He wanted to be in the thick of the... The fishermen and the and the harbour and the docks and the wharves and the smell of fish. He wanted to experience everything. He wasn't going out there to paint beautiful women in their white dresses and the sunlight hitting them. He wanted he wanted to record the days that he was living through. And do you think that it's important? I mean, we could have have photography. We could have photos of these people. Is it necessary for artists to? record those times as well? Do they imbue their art with something more than a photograph can capture? I think uh, what you're referring to is that the artist um, is really coming from the soul, uh, from their soul. And, and I think it's this soul quality that, that we're missing when we, you know, are taking photographs and, and things like that. I think that there's... Um, they imbue, you know, their experiences um, had that, that quality, that feeling element to it. And um, I was also going to mention that, you know, like Vincent van Gogh had um, the, the shoes of the, you know, the cobbler shoes and, and um, was also depicting things in, in his life and, uh, that were historically... Um, relevant for his day, and um, and those things have an impact, but um, I think their larger impact is what uh, is this kind of soul quality that comes forward to us that that tells speaks volumes. It's it's almost like a holographic uh, imprint as opposed to um, something that is just strictly a a rendition, let's say, of, of the times. Uh, yes, and, and I think we did get away from the idea that the individual was responsible for this. 
in that art itself, we, when we, we use the example of the cave paintings, mm. um, or if we look at um, um, art from another country, like if we look at Oriental art or Chinese or Indian art, uh, the Ajanta Caves, uh, if we look at that, we don't know who the artists were. And it certainly doesn't matter that there's a name to this painting or not a name to the painting. If it's beautiful, that's what that's what's the most important part, I would imagine. And it seems to me that right after we talk about art um, and the importance of art, we enter the realm of beauty, which mm. I think is is not only a... A, a, a visual description, but I think you put it into this higher consciousness of feeling that is um, benevolent to mankind. Right, and more ethereal. Like it's more, um, it's hard to grasp. And and to to define what is a beautiful painting is hard to describe. We don't know, you know, every time we say, well, well how would you depict a I mean how would you describe a beautiful painting or what what is beauty uh, we all kind of are at a loss for words and um, and I think there is 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 the um, kind of the the nexus of uh, or the mystery you know that we're that we're looking for and and we're trying to describe so especially we when we talk about what is art I think art is is synonymous with beauty, and um, and because it is synonymous with beauty, it holds a mystery, and a um, and a kind of um, a discovery is always in process. Too. Yes, and a discovery is always in process. Right. Yeah, I think uh, to bring up where uh, the research into the Charles Winter. I think we discovered. Um, I knew a little bit about Charles Allen Winter ahead of time. But I think his, his, he's an artist versus a painter. And I think I come to that conclusion is because he tries to prove out the visual optics of how he and the, creates a painting. And I think we're going to find, we just went down there, researched his notes, uh, photographed his notes, and we'll have a show on winter probably in the future um, because I think he's an important player uh, in because of the idea of art and culture relating to each other in his time period, which would be from the turn of the century into the first part of the 20th century, uh, from the turn of the 19th century into the 20th. So I think he's not only there, but the things that we saw him doing was it, he was trying to merge design, color, and music mm -hmm. all into a painting. <clears throat> And um, I think that far-reaching, big, open, broad territory is, is quite amazing. And he's got charts and everything to describe this, this quality that he can, he can uh, not only paint something that's uh, recognizable, but he's doing it through pure design. And uh, in the, the use of color is major uh, in his work. And I think so, to boil down what is art, I think we do come to this idea that it doesn't have to be, we're painters, but it doesn't have to be a painting. You brought up the wonderful statue uh, of the fisherman at the wheel in Gloucester. Um, that's not a heroic, it is a heroic statue, but it's not from the point of view of some Robert E. Lee or um, you know, George Washington or Abraham mm -hmm. Lincoln. 
it's it's the common everyday man yeah. who's the hero, and I think that that's, that piece of sculpture is very powerful in that sense. And most people would never know who did this piece um, from the point. And does it matter? You know, because the piece speaks for itself. Yes, and that's a whole different story about how Leonard Krask. Uh, won the commission to, uh, to do that piece of art. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> and so as we draw to a close here, thank you very much, uh, David, Connie. Uh, it was good to hear about some of your adventures there. And we look forward to hearing much more about Charles Allen Winter, who was a very important player in, in Cape Ann art. And if you get a chance to go down to Gloucester City Hall, you can see some of his wonderful uh, murals down there which are really great, and see if you can find... He painted himself into one of them. See if you can find him lurking in the background. And so, just to finish with an uplifting idea, um, how about Thomas Merton, No Man is an Island, who said, art enables us to find ourselves and lose ourselves at the same time. So, go out there, find yourself a beautiful piece of art to put on the wall, and then sit back and enjoy it. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you're going to join us next time. Uh, and uh, we'll see you then. Thank you and goodbye.